This episode of Mount Hopeless was recorded, ooh, I don't know, about 18 months ago, maybe more. I don't even know. Things got out of everyone's control, twice or maybe more. But Mount Hopeless is on from September 1st to September 3rd, 2022, that is, at Merigong IPAC in Wollongong. Visit merigong.com.au to reserve your tickets. Hello listeners, welcome. You have tuned into Mount Hopeless, the podcast that at first glance is about the story of Robert O'Hara Burke and William John Wills, better known as Burke and Wills, or more precisely, it is about the expedition they led across Australia from Melbourne in the south to the Gulf of Carpentaria in the north, a humongous distance of around 3,250 kilometres. But even more precisely, this is a podcast about the ongoing issues that this expedition symbolises to us. Colonisation, environmental exploitation, poor leadership and willful ignorance of Indigenous customs and knowledge of the land. Themes that, in my opinion at least, still echo fairly loudly today. My name is Alana Stone and I'll be your host this week. This is episode four of the Mount Hopeless podcast. There are three more episodes before this one, so if you haven't heard them, definitely go back and check them out. For this episode, I had the absolute pleasure of interviewing Jack Manning Bancroft. Jack is the CEO and founder of AIM, the Australian Indigenous Mentoring Experience. He is also the founder, executive producer, and a host of Imagination TV, and the Imagination University. He is a passionate cricketer, painter, puppeteer and published author. His books include The Eagle Inside, a children's book and collaboration with his mum, Bronwyn Bancroft. He also wrote The Mentor and Mentoring, A Key to a Fair World. Jack is a proud Indigenous Australian from Bundjalung Nation. Jack founded AIM in 2005 at the very young age of 19 with the goal of finding a solution to Indigenous inequality in Australia. Driven by imagination and audacious kindness, he re-engineered the concept of mentoring. He developed a cost-effective and scalable model that brings university students together as volunteers to mentor marginalised and minority high school kids so that they complete high school successfully, go on to university and ultimately into fulfilling careers. Jack has received a string of awards and recognition for his work, including the Australian Human Rights Medal in 2010, New South Wales Young Australian of the Year, and most notably, Jack was the youngest person in Australian history to receive an honorary doctorate from the University of South Australia. So for the sake of full disclosure, I should mention that Jack is actually my brother-in-law. He is in a relationship with my sister, Yael Stone, who is an actor and activist, and they have a daughter called Pemau. Hey, Jack. Hey, Lani. <laughs> I'm going to give you a beautiful intro where I talk about all the amazing things you've done, um, which I've written out, see, on this piece of paper. Yeah. But... Because you know all these things. Yeah, let's talk. What I want to ask you is mostly around um, education and also a little bit about climate because I think both of these things kind of feed into 
this story. Um, so my first question is, where did you first hear the story of Birkenwells and do you remember any thoughts or feelings you had about the story or did it just come up recently yeah, for I th- you? I first heard the story of Birkenwells, um, the specifics of it, like I knew the names uh, when I was sitting in your rehearsal. Uh, really? Yeah. Okay. At, at IPAC and running around with Pemau and going across to Woolies to get her some snacks and coming back and, and hearing it. So that was the first time that I'd heard or been engaged in a big chunk of their story. Okay, so it wasn't something you learnt about in primary school or they weren't people that came up? No. Those names? Look, they might have. I was a pretty naughty kid. I didn't pay attention a lot at school, so <laughs> it could have been a very heavy part of the syllabus. It might have been all of my year four learning. Um, but, yeah, I can't, I can't remember as a grown-up, like, grabbing or knowing their story. Yeah. And what were your impressions, I guess, during that IPAC rehearsal, even though you were running around with your one-and-a-half-year-old at the time? Um, what were your impressions of that story? Did, was it something that, like, reminded you of previous... Uh, of your of your education, like, of hearing those types of stories or not? Yeah. Look, I, I think... Uh, um, I've kind of had to, I've had some waves of having to re-educate and learn and, and, you know, starting AIM, a lot of the journey was like, okay, well, what's the context here in Australia deeper than my own family story and our Aboriginality? Like, what's the, what's the story I've been in the country? And, um, and a lot of, like, a lot of stuff which was accessible. I was interested in the civil rights move and the change, like how to move, make change. So I was kind of going back from today as much as possible and sitting around the 60s and, um, and the 70s and seeing what Mabo had done and what Charlie Perkins had done, um, what Louisa O'Donoghue, what all of these like incredible Aboriginal activists and storytellers and then I'd see mum's name popping up in these artist groups and see people's names that used to be around our house and so the I think the sixties are kind of quite glorified as a storytelling arc in popular culture and, and the states gave us a lot of that through major films and, and stories of um of black struggle and resistance and revival and popular culture has sort of given us us Tupac and Jordan and different um different black symbols to look at and, and I think then going back to our uh, the beginning of Australia, the I remember studying the this idea of like the tension between uh, denying Aboriginal genius and um, and the flora fauna and these battles between academics who were saying, well, no, there was a huge complex civilization here, and I studied that at, at university as well, and um, and so much of our work has been just looking back and going. Look, there's, there's absolutely undeniably 60,000 years of genius. Like, if you just manage to stay alive mm. full stop for 60 years, that's awesome. Like, you're a genius. Um, you can do that times 10,000 or however many more thousands to do that is, like, unbelievably complex. So, yeah, I think there... I, the settler story in Australia I've always felt, like, quite icky around Mm. and dad's side like I think tracks back some uh, along the way towards um being part of that first group of settlers and definitely like a lot of privilege through dad's side like my dad's mum 
Margot Body was a, um, their family was one of the top sheep merino farmers in uh, New South Wales and won awards for at the Easter show um, for having the best sheep. And you know, you've got my grandfather at the same in the same era not being a citizen and going away and fighting for World War Two for Australia in World War Two and coming back and working as a sleeper cutter and building the railway lines which were probably moving those sheep around to then go and win their awards and is this your grandfather on your mum's side yeah, or Bill, yeah yeah um Bill Bancroft so the yeah I think saying I've it's hard not to feel like I feel icky and ashamed uh, at conversations around explorer history and then there's another even more complex door that you can kind of walk through which is heck there's some things that have happened here post-colonization which are good uh if you can if you have the ability to the righteous ability to say that things are good or bad but there are some Mm. things that have happened uh for people which have been really good there's been um you know great lives australia's been a home for for lots of people to escape um you know horrible worlds and and to build new worlds um and so many migrant families have come from from jewish backgrounds from greek backgrounds from waves of immigration um, from syrian backgrounds and and lots of the migration story of australia of coming together is is really quite rich and wonderful you just it would have been so much better if it didn't have to then in parallel have this cruel um agenda of destruction uh, towards our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, which is sustained almost from the get-go. Do you think, when you mentioned, like, the black civil rights movement of the 60s, do do you draw inspiration from that in terms of, like, a way to popularise having having pride in black heritage and being uh, like is that something that that you adapt in your own kind of mentoring and your own kind of story oh we've looked at like there's there's like waves of progress and you know i i think part of the I was standing at like at Sydney University on Manning Road, which is not named after me, um, but, <laughs> but maybe, maybe will be. Maybe one day. After, we'll just have to add a Bancroft. <laughs> um, and we were trying to sell tickets to Indigenous Carnival, this concert that we'd created to bring people together on Sorry Day and to try and um, create an energy and a movement for the future and, and, some po- and a way to move forward. I'd go up to students and be like, oh, do you want to come to this concert called Indigenous Carnival? And they'd just, like, run away because I'd said the word Indigenous. And I'd Mm. say, oh, it's on Sorry Day. And then other people would, like, run away waiting for me to kind of attack them. Mm. Um, And then eventually I was like, hey, we're we're running the coolest party on campus. We've sold 900 tickets. um, And I don't give a fuck if you come. (laughs) And then suddenly they'd turn up. Like, you you have to get people in the door. Uh, Mm. You have to get people to sit down and... And, uh, you know, advertising, which, which we've seen, maybe it's always been around in one way, shape or form, manipulation of a message, so people act. And, but the, the, mass, the mass marketing of advertising, which your Nikes and your Coca-Colas show you, 
yeah. is they've sold a feeling um, in these remarkable ways. And you want to you want to walk into you, we've been taught to want to walk into those arenas. And so as a storyteller, like I want to use every possible trick in the book. And if a number of if the logic holds that a number of these these major major institutions which have then acquired so much wealth are part of the challenge or part of the um, the misbalancing of, of wealth and equality then you want to borrow from their skills like I love Robin Hood as a story I'm like okay well how do I go and learn that stuff and so our hoodie like I want our hoodie to be as powerful a symbol as as anything as the Air Jordans were and I want it to stand for something I want to stand for people coming together in complex ways I want it to be about action and change and imagining new realities I want it to be about acknowledging pain and trauma and then trying to um, be able to reimagine and recreate stories to move forward through and and that's, um, yeah, I think the role of like symbols and stories have been around forever um, mm. and we, we just see them in, in more accessible ways maybe when they're put in front of us in, in a popular fashion which modern mass media has allowed us to, to see a lot more. Mm. I, that's, I mean, this is not one of my questions but that's one of the things I think I, I really see in AIM is this ability to rebrand what it means to be Indigenous and sort of this intense pride in in just being a person and making art and making, I don't know, uh, just a new, like, a new chapter of, of what that is, I guess, and something that people, I think everyone can get on board with in a way that's just like a celebration I guess because I think people do find it hard to engage with the deep sadness of 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 that history but which I still think obviously needs to be acknowledged and and obviously talked about but there's so much complexity there and maybe when you're talking about getting bums on seats uh the color and the and the celebration of aim is a is a really brilliant um I don't know how to how to say it but it's like it's a it's a it's a remarketing exercise but in a in a way that an artist can really enjoy and and kids can really engage with without that sort of the angst I guess yeah well, I um, think and, and it, it comes at a cost like it's a it's a price of, of trying to toe the middle ground or reaching out to the other side like there's there's a bunch of people who um, would be branded more heavily um, activists or like or have anger more front and center in the way they operate and you know, I spent like I got huge rage inside of me about the inequality. Like I've, I've, I just think it's um, there should there is huge injustice. There should be some sort of justice. I've I spent the early years of my twenties just feeling so angry at white people, even though my skin's white and my family's white through my dad's side. Like being like oh, I can blame someone and and. And I have never, I would never, ever, ever begrudge anyone who's come out of inequality of being angry, and never say you you have to move to another stage. Like you grow up in a country that tells you you're you're worth less than flora and fauna, um, and consistently denigrate you, and pull apart all of your like systemically pull apart all of your self worth, like you're a toy to be played with, and just keep meddling with you. Yeah, bloody oath, be angry, and mm. and to. Uh, you know, I, 
I think that's what's really hard is it's, uh, you know, you, you re- I, tactically I can't see a way that change is going to happen in Australia or with, with trying to position a, a different way of being without doing it with um, inverted commas the other side or those people with power and, and building those bridges. And in doing that, the moment you reach out to build a bridge, you are practicing a level of forgiveness, and you're giving a, you're giving people who really, um, in many ways, should be on the stand and should be persecuted in the same way that the victims have been persecuted for a couple hundred years. You're giving them a get off free card to then go. All right, let's build again. And mm. I don't know if that's fair, but it, I think it's the only way that we can. I think it's not the only way, but it's it's through watching what Mandela has done, and you know, and then and what Mandela did, and then his complexity in South Africa now around government and around how to how to run a country. But trying to be able to reach out to the other side, trying to work out how do you how do you acknowledge the realness of all of those experiences, um, and re- I don't know if retribution and then ensuing retribution and exchanging retribution back and forward gets us anywhere but destruction and so it's got to stop somewhere and so for us um as much as i'd love to uh in many ways often like scream as loud as i can at the people who are sitting across the table i'm being unbelievably polite to um i think there's a longer game and i just hope that it proves effective in the long run I'm just going to jump in here and play you a song from the musical Mount Hopeless and it's called Inland Sea. It's the first song that you hear as part of the show and it describes the assembling of the expedition party. Everybody clap your hands. It's a party, an expedition party. Started out. Bare-faced and clean, we were the best, the bravest. We were handpicked by the queen. We walked into the tundra on a holy quest to find the northern border before all the rest. We will be heroes. We are the voice. How they will cheer us. choice we are diverse we are a motley crew we come from scotland and ireland and central london too and it doesn't matter where we come from or the fact that we're all dudes we are united by this one thing which is a thing we're about to do we will be heroes we are the best We're gonna sail ya. Victoria. Victoria. We're doing it for ya. We're doing it for you, Julia. It's pretty cool. We will be heroes. 
And now back to the interview with Jack Manning Bancroft. What is is success going to look like to you? With AIM or beyond AIM, have you kind of had that conversation with yourself? Well, I think success is that that there that we've imagined a new way of being where so many people are not left outside of the room where things happen and if if that if those bridges are built between these corridors or vacuums or little bubbles of power and people that are, are not thought about um and not even valued in what they can bring to the table. If we can dissipate that and reimagine an, a system of organisation where where we can we can have more fluidity um, in and around class systems and and more mobility and more freedom for for people to to be able to. Um, be a being during their time on earth then that will be uh, a successful effort and 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 I I like complexity I really hope that we can help unleash into the world a, a set of really complex guides and mentors and thinkers who um, who try to wrestle with with this stuff and and it will be a wrestle it's never going to be a win or a success it'll just be mm. a wrestle and I think knowing that you've wrestled your best along the way um, is maybe what maybe what satisfaction will look like I don't know if there will be um, a gold star at the end of the road but there might be some some things that happen that are cool yeah I think that's um, what I think about when I guess I think about you personally and this like getting up every day and, and, and changing the world, which is such a huge um, quest and, and how that looks, I guess, personally, because, yeah, it, you've taken AIM global, which means in some ways, like, you've, you've made this, uh, this task more complex and, and in a way um, more ambitious for yourself. And so... At what I guess it's like. At what point do you feel? What are those points where you feel like happy and satisfied within yourself? Do, do you chalk them up to um, little achievements every day, or or is there like when you set when you made AIM and when you at nineteen you set out to to get kids into tertiary education and and close the gap. Um, 
was there a specific thing that you felt like once you achieved that that you that you had at least ticked off a box you know in your 19 year old mind yeah I think it's just a labyrinth I just don't think you get I don't think there's any boxes and yeah. there's no ticks it's just you, you if you really go into a system like the matrix is a brilliant film for visually um, describing this sense of of going into the subconscious, going into um, trying to understand systems which are all alive, which are all populated by people who daily are moving. Like a system isn't a fixed thing. A system is a is a lived thing populated by people. Uh, decisions made daily that move it in certain directions, and you know, a market and economies and race and um, worth and like it's a it's a deeply unsatisfying thing to explore, which I think maybe the Burke and Wills story, you know, shows or your Shackleton story with failure, like to go out and to explore you, the, and to try and understand. Um, the, if, I think if you have, if you're a trained curiosity and you really want to try and understand every door, like an Alice in Wonderland, every door is another door and every door is another door and every door is another door. So the, the enormity of your, once you think you've solved something, you then go, oh, gosh, there's that. Oh, gosh, there's that. Oh, mm-hmm. gosh, there's that. And you see the real, like, see the inner workings of people with power, see the established like hundreds of years, if not thousands of years of entrenched decision making, if not like biological, if not like, um, you know, built on huge paradigms which feel like they they might be impossible to shake apart. And, And I think within all of that, this, the areas of satisfaction is not feeling alone. Um, and just feeling like there's people that 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 you're not crazy, um, mm. that there's there's people that can at least see you, um, and if not, that you can see them. And 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 as you're going through the matrix, you can kind of look around and be like, ah, oh, that person's got glasses on. Sweet, we're not dead, or we are dead. <laughs> I can't remember whether everyone with glasses kills everyone or not. But um, yeah, just trying to find people that you can you can be on the quest with which is you know another story I love is um Lord of the Rings and Bilbo finding or the Hobbit like a Bilbo finding his gang to go on a quest with like yeah I I think the journey the struggle there's absolutely moments of like ecstasy of feeling like you've achieved something and then if you're real like I we could work I could work for 80 years on this stuff and maybe move it an inch in the in the big schema of like of human civilization, and that inch will be monstrous, like a monstrous contribution. But then I don't know, in five hundred years' time, a comet's going to hit, and the world's going to be over. And you're like, oh well, fuck! I worked my ass off to move it an inch. Um, but you do it all the same. I think F. Scott Fitzgerald said the sign of of intelligence was holding two conflicting two conflicting thoughts at the same time and still functioning. And I think in the last three three to five years, I've become less dogmatic. Mm. Um, and narrow focused and understood that everything I could be working on um, could all be for nothing and I still believe in it um, with everything I've got and I think having that um, those oscillating uh, train tracks sort of running allow you to move out and maybe have some space to uh, to not take yourself too seriously which I think Oscar Wilde said um, life's too important to be taken seriously 
Mm. Yeah. Well, I think that we have seen massive radical change, social change in the last 200 years, you know, uh, or in, in even in the last 50 years with things like uh, gay marriage. And I think this is a time when things appear to be changing, but they also appear to be polarising. So it's kind of... It's it's confusing to to know when you're moving forward um, and when you're moving backwards, I guess, especially with leaders like Trump in the world and well, it's kind of when, those when voices. Things, when things are backwards, like you you're not moving forward, you're kind of just moving it. Like gay marriage, of course you should have gay marriage. You're a person; you should be able to marry whoever you want. Like Aboriginal people can go to school. Wow, whoopee! Like Aboriginal people can get the vote. Oh, but, like these things which are just basic human rights, like the struggle to get to like near an even playing field mm. um, is so complex and that's that's the part where you're like you're working back from like minus um, thousands to try and get anywhere near zero like mm. and and so I think the like the progress is um, it's almost like yeah the progress is is not yet in the positive like it's still in a film you're still trying to replace the um, the, the negative, which is, you know, in Australia, a lot of language around closing the gap is sort of been challenging in my mind. I'm like, and then what? Mm. Like, then we're average? Oh, I don't want average. I want mm. exceptional. Like, I want, I want to be able to see Aboriginal people in any field, in any arena, um, at the highest possible echelons, leading at any stage, having no limits to their their brain, their life, who they want to be, where they want to explore. And I want to see that for any kid that's born in the world. And, and that that limitless capacity um, is you're born into chains with the different stories and paradigms and challenges you have to then overcome just to get to a place where you're, you're accepted as average. Like the day when all the closer gap targets are met, it'll be a huge celebration. You're like, oh, fuck, we're 260 years in. Awesome. Now what? <laughs> I think that's what I love about AIM is that, I mean, since knowing you, uh, the thing that I that really strikes me is you come in with these incredibly huge ambitious projects like, you know, making a feature film, making a recycled clothing brand. Um, yeah, I mean, basically every idea you've had since I've met you making Imagination TV, I probably, the moment that you said it, kind of reeled and went into some form of shock and then tried to quieten all my my cynicism and all of my, you know, the not the not the yes and policy of aim, but the, wow, you know, how the fuck is Jack going to pull this off? But the other thing that is to be um, mentioned and acknowledged is the fact that you have done all of those things and that, that you you have these ideas and then you follow them through, which is just like from an artist's perspective, that's the most impressive thing. Like to have an idea is one thing and, and that's huge and then to actually carry that idea out and get and surround yourself with a team of, of like-minded people who are all working together to achieve those goals is wild like that's wild and and more inspiring I think than just getting to an average like than just closing the gap it's just like then giving people like being the role model being the mentor yourself and saying well I, I actually did this like I 
I made this feature film, I made this imagination TV, I got these people involved, um, I spoke to these banks and got them to, to you know, give us money or acknowledge their place in, in, in this kind of current capitalist environment and offset that with, with um, working with us as an organisation. And to me that's, it's kind of massive and, and hard to... I, hard to um, define because, like, if I say, oh, what does Jack do? Like, what is AIM? It is actually quite a hard thing to define because it's an artistic pursuit as well as being um, a mentoring organisation as well as being all these all these other things, which I think it kind of is you in a way. Like, you're very hard to define, um, which I think is beautiful and wonderful and, and you know, you come from this sports sports background and then you've kind of uh reshaped yourself into this um activist into a thinker into an artist into a um clothing brand and and to me that's that's huge and then a puppeteer and just the fact that you finish it is is to me the most impressive um because I I know how hard it is to finish stuff (laughs) Mm. so I guess like in terms of um in terms of like your your daughter growing up in this in this new world that you've created this world of imagination and this world of like you can do (laughs) you can do it um how do you want her experience of growing up in Australia to be different from yours is there things that you would like to impart to her about her Aboriginality or just about her as a citizen of the world that you want to be different from what your experience was? I think for, for Pamela, I just want her to be able to... Um, look, I, I think if, she's, if she knows she's loved, then m- my job's to to do that and and then hopefully teach her principles to work hard um and then the vision of a of a country is sort of like or, or a world that she lives in is sort of a vision that i was i've had for many children and many people like before pam Al came along and it's just you know i'd i'd love for people to be able to be complex uh and that that you can be many things, that you can explore sides of yourself um, and share them and, and that we don't have to just fit into a very, very veneer cookie-cutter model. I just would really sick of seeing barbecues as our national icon, like we can just do heaps better than that. Um, and, and I'd like that a sense of Australianness is complex and that's cool it's not confronting or challenging um to people it's it's just cool like it's um so i think i think that'd be if there's a space where 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 Pemau's going to school and um and her her aboriginality is uh is what it is which is a journey uh, and like in her relation to her jewish ancestry and her identity with being jewish and how that works um and being Australian and being a young woman and being um, a being, like, just being a human being mm. in this, like, 
crazy gnarly rock that just keeps spinning around and um and just try and understand like not having limits like I really don't I think identity um is a superpower and um and a trap and we can get huge freedom and and growth and then we can get hugely isolated uh by by just closing the door and thinking that we can only talk to people like ourselves or only interact with people like ourselves and so yeah I think there's there's lots of lots of learning and I just you know I think as an educator of of kids I my job is to just spark curiosity and then to open a door and not to not to set a delusional vision that anything is possible ever like there's lots of stuff which would be really challenging to ever happen there's lots of complexity there's lots of hard things to overcome but if you if you really really relentlessly stick at something you can achieve things and i and i hope that's you know when i think about my role as leading aim and being a mentor i see the organization and the stuff that we achieve um as an organization is sort of like an entity and we have to walk that talk and be able to do things I can say yeah you can do something remarkable kid so this is our story of how we went from working with one school to maybe tens of thousands around the world and yeah this is how we built this this hoodie to be one of the most meaningful hoodies around the world and this is how we make films and this is how we just we feel like creating something we come up with an idea and we'll build it with you guys and, and we'll build a stage and we'll do something of the highest possible order and I think that that follow through is the key to to mentoring and to guidance is it's talk is so cheap um and and those people who spend their life dedicated to any form of action to better the lives of other people um and do it and turn up every single day like it's awesome i reckon that's a pretty good moment to just say thank you and um sign off thanks jack pleasure i've built like 500 little clay balls of dinosaur um and anxiously not made eye contact with you for 40 minutes, so look forward to this being over. i didn't even notice the balls so thanks for drawing attention to that all right